0: The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons Podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. We continue the conversation from our previous episode concerning training and joy. There are many different ways to learn and grow. Life can be challenging and difficult. As we learn and grow, if we keep in mind the joy set before us, we can grow in intimacy with God and with one another. Running the race can be painful, but it is also a journey of joy. And in the end, even the suffering is well worth it. Jesus is cheering us along the entire way.
1: There's two different sort of general applications of pedagogy, uh, pe- I'm sorry, Padeo. Let's say that uh, uh, Travis and I uh, get in a car wreck and I get out and I say, are are, are you just too stupid to see what was going on there? And Travis says to me, well, you pulled out in front of me. And I say, "Uh, well, what do you mean I pulled out in front of you? And we start a big argument and then Travis says, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Okay. Well, what's it? What's he about to do? <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's one kind of teaching, right? Uh, or, or another context is like uh, you come back to the huddle in football or whatever and say, that guy's been grabbing me. He's been holding me all day. And the other guy says, well, we'll teach him. I'm going to double this guy up. I go low, you go high, right? It's, it's, it's teaching. Okay, so this is one general application of pideo. We use it this way too. Um, The other application is more kind of what? The classroom application. Let's look at Acts 7.22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Okay, so Moses was Paideo. So how did Moses get all that education? Yeah, he probably went to... uh, you know, uh, Egyptian Ivy league school. Probably went. He probably had a tutor, and uh, you know went to uh, finishing school and all that kind of stuff to be a general. I mean, he was in the Pharaohs training program, right? It's the best, best pedagogy you could have in that in, in Egypt. So it's it's the same idea. You're learning, but there's a lot of different ways to learn, right? There's classroom learning. There is. Take athletics, Wally. You you had you had two different kinds of learning in basketball, didn't you? Two really distinct different kinds. One was on the court. What did you? What was the other kind? Uh, film. Film room. Yeah. So you're going to the film room and you're watching, and they're saying, well, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. Let's look at Second Timothy two twenty 2 Timothy two twenty five. 2 2. We're getting educated. We're getting trained. We got we got to win a game. We got we got a we got a military campaign to do. We got a we got a kingdom to run. We got a a lesson to learn. What you got? Give humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. All right? So if you're a pastor and you got somebody that's that's not obeying the truth, that's teaching wrong things, that's saying wrong things, that's leading in your church the wrong way, what do you do? In humility, you go and paideia them. Okay? This has an element of both, doesn't it? It is scourging, but gently. (coughs) Because what are you trying to do? You're trying to deliver them from the wiles of Satan. Because Satan is the father of lies, and if you're following something that's true, then you're following Satan, not Jesus. Okay, so now let's go through and read this, this, uh, this passage. And I want you to think about joy, favor. Okay, you get to the end and you hear, way to go. You finished. You're awesome. I, this is what I wanted for you. You made it. I'm going to put you in the hall of fame. I'm so happy. You pleased me because you did what I asked you to do. Joy set before you. And let's think about and what in the sitting down because Jesus said the ultimate reward is what? I want you to sit on my throne with me. Sitting down. And then think about running. Okay? You can't get to the finish line unless you run. And then we'll talk about standing up when we get to the end. Okay? And oh sorry, sorry. And also think about training, learning as you go. So therefore also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You've not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as son. Quote from the Old Testament. My son, do not despise the paideia of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For when the Lord loves, he teaches, he coaches, he mentors, he trains, he educates. If you endure education, God deals with you as with sons, inheritors. For what son is there who a father does not train? But if you're without training of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us, trained us, chastised us, and we paid them respect. (coughs) Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? (coughs) For they indeed for a few days educated us, trained us, pideied us, as it seemed best to them. But he, for our prophet, he knows what's best for us, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no education, training, learning, seems to be joyful for the present. Where's the joy? Present, set before us. But painful. Painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let me just stop for a minute. This word trained is a fascinating word. Anybody have an idea what this word is? Gymnazo. You start to get the picture here? Okay. If we're going to run a marathon, where do we need to be? In the gymnazo. Why do we need to be in the gymnasio? We need, to get, we need to get some strength so we can run. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Where do you do that? In the gymnasio. In the gymnasio. Okay? We need to run this. Get strong. <coughs> Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame, may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Now, we ha- happen to have a phenomenal example in here with us today. Because we have someone with a really bad knee who's under rehab. Now, when, when Wally starts to be able to uh, train, is he going to go out on a place that's bumpy with rocks and sand in order to get that knee well? No. No, he's not. Why? It's weak. Yeah, all you're going to do is dislocate it, right? Where's he going to train? In the (laughs) gymnasium, in a controlled environment, on a treadmill maybe, or certainly on a straight path, okay? Uh, Remember, these guys that Paul's talking to here were starting to get hard of hearing. They were starting to lose sight of what their whole walk was about. And what he's saying here is we got a race to run. So what's the first thing you do when you're going to run a race? Well, right before you train, what do you got to do? you got to get off the couch. Okay? Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down feel knees. Make straight paths where you lay. Get up! And one of the translations I looked at here said, uh, instead of uh, strengthen the hands, it said, raise up the hands. Stand up, get off the couch, get in the race, get started, and follow Jesus who's ahead of you. It's all about training. It's education, not a passive thing. Yeah, this is not a we're here, we're here all just learning. Then we're in the film room. You know, what well, we, we we do need to understand what's going on to, in order to play the game, absolutely. But really the goal is to play the game. The reason why we're in here is to get prepared for out there. Because we want to get up and run, walk, and we want to finish. Now, all this is about training. And what is it that we're having to overcome to train? It is despising the shame. Gravity, yeah. Yeah, he despised the shame. He overcame sin. Jesus overcame sin, even to bloodshed. So we we looked at, when we looked at Moses, we looked and said Moses chose, instead of the uh, power of Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter, a son of Pharaoh's daughter, instead of the riches of Egypt, instead of the pleasures of Egypt, where sexual immorality was rampant, And he would have had it all available to him. He chose his people and the reproaches of Christ. We did a whole lesson on this. And we looked at what the reproaches of Christ were. And Christ was reproached by his family. And he was reproached by his friends. And he was reproached by his followers. And he was reproached by the authorities. And he was reproached by the crowd. And he was reproached by the religious leaders. And he overcame all that. So, let's just get to the practical application now of training. Uh, if If we have children, I hope that what we'll understand is our goal as parents is not to make them comfortable. That's their goal, is to be comfortable. And they're most comfortable when... When you as a parent are doing their bidding. And that is not the way good parenting works. Good parenting has a goal at the end. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. The ability to make good decisions. Now they may or may not make good decisions. That's up to them. But if we will train them. In the ability to have the ability to make good decisions. We're being good parents. And it's not comfortable. It's painful going through that. Because children want the world to revolve around them. Well, we're, we're, it says in here, we, we do the best we can, but we're not very good parents. I mean, that's, that's what this chapter says. Compared to God, who's the perfect parent? And he knows exactly what he's doing. We think we, we just do the best we can. He knows the hearts and intents. He knows the future. He knows all things. He knows exactly what we need. We're doing the best we can to profit our children. He absolutely is giving us what there is to profit us. And what he gives us is trouble. So what reproaches are we going to overcome? Well, maybe you have a reproach from your spouse. It's just theoretically possible. Maybe your spouse, maybe your wife is unlovable. And you can talk to your friends and they will tell you you have every right to not love your wife. What And what does Jesus tell us to do with our wives, guys? Love her how? Yeah, like Christ loved the church and gave himself. And to wash her with the washing of the word. So not only do you have to love your wife sacrificially according to Jesus, you have to talk to her. Which one of those two is most painful? <laughs> and you have to tell her the truth all your friends would back you and not doing that it's not pleasurable it's painful it's training this is gymnazo. Okay? you're getting your muscles ready to run this is running the race maybe your husband it's just not a respectable behavior right now. You can, you all your friends would tell you that what your husband's doing demands no respect, and not only that, he's just not worthy of being trusted. He made a mistake last week. Everybody knew it was a mistake, so you shouldn't trust him anymore. You just need to take control and do this yourself, and all your friends will back you. And what does Jesus say to do, ladies, with your husband? Respect them on the basis of that Jesus asked you to, right? And defer. Defer. Do everything you can to follow his leadership. It's not easy, it's painful. You know better. If you could just control your husband, everything would be okay, right? It's hard, it's training. This this is how you get to the finish line and hear God say, you were awesome. Your husband is an idiot. (laughs) And you did exactly what I asked you to do. I'm going to work him over real good. You want to watch? (laughs) Maybe you have a problem with friends. You have a friend that stabbed you in the back friend that gossiped about you, a friend that has betrayed you, and it would be perfectly understandable for you to be bitter. As a matter of fact, your friends will help you be bitter, and they will help you start a war with that person and start another gossip chain to counter their gossip chain, so you got a complete war, and it'll make you feel a lot better, and you're completely justified. Well, let's just go on with our verses here. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You can't see the Lord while you're bitter. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the chorus, the favor of God. You can't please God while you're being bitter. You can't please God while you're creating division and destruction. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Jesus wants us to love other people. It's painful to do so. Amen to that? (laughs) It's not joyous to love other people much of the time. It's training, it's becoming a hero. Maybe we're going from prostitute to hero. Maybe we're going from coward to hero. We can can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Maybe an authority or someone at church has betrayed you. Has uh, taken a responsibility away from you. Has uh, criticized you unfairly. Everybody would support you. All your friends would support you, and and just showing them and disengaging, showing them and and uh, telling them off or whatever. Well, can do that, but bitterness defiles. Verse 16, don't let there be a fornicator, someone who goes after their own pleasure instead of pleasing God, (coughs) or a profane person like Esau. Esau had a birthright. He was the oldest, firstborn. Now remember, birthright means you take over the family business. You're the ruler. And he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Did that bowl of stew taste good? When he ate it? And how long before he was hungry again? Not very long, right? So this is profanity. Profanity is taking something amazing that God's given us and giving it no value. And then he realized it afterwards and it was too late. There is a point past which repentance is not possible. Hebrews 6 told us that. Not to get into heaven, but to inherit the blessing. Uh, Romans 1 tells us this. The wrath of God is poured out um, on, on, on us who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and it's poured out by giving us over. God gives us over to our lust, and then He gives us over to addiction to our lust, and then He gives us over where we can't even think straight anymore. And I would propose to you on that third one, the opportunity for reforms passed. You can't even think straight anymore. He wanted to inherit the blessing, but he was rejected, and he found no price for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It's just a really extreme alternative that we have. We can either run the race painfully, get up off the couch, go to the gym, go through all that pain, and run all the way to the end or we can lose the inheritance. It's a real stark choice. And what we get with the inheritance is the peaceable fruit of righteousness to go with it. So it's not just a reward at the end. It's a reward where we can see God in our daily life as well. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, understanding of the Jewish perspective. I hope you've understood this whole sonship. A better son with a Better inheritance and a better better administration and a better world. And uh, this, this priestly function that we have, a better priest with a better sacrifice, with a better covenant, one that's written on our heart. These really stark examples of people that had the inheritance in hand and just frittered it away, Esau, children wandering in the wilderness. And these amazing guys that j- saw judgment ahead, avoided it, saw benefit ahead way far off. And then they knew it wouldn't be in their lifetime, and they obeyed because they, they sought a city that was bigger than the city they lived in. And then ultimately, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who has already run the race for us and is up there saying, Go on, come on! You can do it, guys! Keep going. No, I'm not going to let you quit. Because you're not finished. I want you to graduate. I want you to be here with me. And you need to learn. You need to understand. Yeah, turn that other cheek. Yeah. Way to go. Love that unlovable person. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Keep going. Oh, oh. God, you're going to defile a lot of people if you do that. Don't bit root of bitterness. No, don't do it. Don't do it. You can do it. It's really a pretty cool picture. God, thank you for this amazing exhortation that you've given us, this amazing example. Pray, Lord, that we get up off the couch in all the areas we're on the couch. We will go to the gym in all the areas where we're weak. And we will run with endurance on a daily basis. All these things we learn at church, we'll put them into practice out in the field. All the things we learn in our scriptural study and in our conversations with one another in prayer with you we will put them into practice and I pray Lord every person in this room finish the race and hear well done I am really proud of you for making it to the end in Jesus name amen
0: thanks for listening to the yellow balloons podcast If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.